Welcome back to the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. Um, this is episode eight. Today we have Seb from Trolley. Seb. Good morning. Jonathan from Bottle Books. And so good evening. And Nick from Wine Owners. Hello. Sorry, I just wanted to give everybody a chance to say hello because normally I give all the introductions um, <laughs> and, and nobody gets a chance to say hello. We're, we're just uh, gonna blame the internet latency. Everyone, everyone is just falling behind. Exactly. Um, so first up, uh, wine trends. Um, fine wine trading on LiveX is up. And there was an interesting article um, and, and that's interesting kind of understandable, but what was also interesting was there was a quote saying, as elsewhere in the economy, technological innovations have swept through the industry, transforming the behavior of both wine and businesses and buyers. The past year has seen the launch of new wine tech startups, digital wine apps, soaring wine sales and virtual tastings, ensuring that people are no longer anxious about buying or trading online. What do we think? Is this a trend? Is this a trend that's here to stay? Seb, you're nodding. Oh, it's 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 one hundred percent a trend that's been here for well over ten, fifteen, even twenty years now, and we've only accelerated it by about five to ten years, and it's most definitely here to stay. Absolutely, I think we're going to have social interactions and events and and ways of mingling together as a society that are going to be different, but the whole concept of shopping is most definitely going to stay online. Once you've discovered the, the practicality of buying online, you're not going back 100%. The newer generations know that for sure. Jonathan, what about in the, the B2B world? Um, are, is that moving online? Is that gonna stay online? Um, buying, um, I think that is, uh, something that I'm, we're not so much into the details about, about the actual buying, but in terms of promoting and tasting wines, um, I think we see a lot of momentum in, in this area. Um, uh, UK, we do a lot in, of course, and uh, we see not just more and more events uh, doing digital and digital wine requests, um, uh, but that the visitors are also embracing this as well. Um, and if you compare to sort of how many requests were going through digital events, uh, even as, as recent as January to compared to what we've seen in April and now at the end of April, um, it just continues to go up. And so it, it requires sort of both sides of, of interest in it. But um, in terms of finding new wines and simplifying, how do I get some samples on the wines that I'm interested in? Um, there seems to be, at least in certain markets, some some broader acceptance of of that as being a um, an additional channel of how to how to do this in the future, or at least today and probably in the future. And keeping in mind also, just to, to add a, a bit onto the the wine and the restaurants kind of a scene, restaurants with food, restaurants genuinely speaking on a B two B front, everything they do today is pretty much by hand. Every invoices, every accounts payable, every checking of the box when there's a delivery, they have different supplies. All of that is done by hand. So even though the discovery experience might still remain more or less human driven, I think the purchase experience is increasingly going to get digitized. 
simply because, I mean, we're all tech, right? We all understand that, holy crap, you do not want to do anything by hand. Restaurants are still doing everything by hand. And that's about to change. That started to change with integrated accounting system, with point of sale, with integrated fulfillment system, with supply chain, right? Uh, so there's definitely going to be a very strong push towards technology in every aspect of society, for sure. Now, Nick, you're solving this problem for importers and, and restaurants. What, what, what do you see? So I think in terms of the growth, and I think that article also referred to a broadening of wines being traded through LiveX, not just a deepening. I think is being driven by a number of trends that are coming together. One of those trends is the shift to e-commerce, particularly within the fine wine end of the market and away from what would have been sort of what I, what I call um, product, product lists, where you've got an inquire button rather than a basket. Um, you've got connectivity between LiveX and the bigger e-commerces that are looking for stock to augment their existing inventory. So you're seeing that trend towards blended inventories and lower working capital intensity. And that's definitely driving the trend. That's definitely also driving the broadening of the market in terms of what's trading uh, and what's selling in the secondary market. Because as soon as you inject large inventories into e-commerce, you're attracting and connecting with a different audience than you are with a bunch of B2B um, trading users who are on the exchange directly. So, um, and we're seeing that with um, the hub, uh, our retail management system, which is now connected with LiveX and which is able to pull in those virtual inventories, filter them, um, end up with a subset that's compatible with the core uh, wine list of a particular merchant and the market that they're serving, and that's really working. So it's really about, it's about connectivity. It's about a, a massive shift to e-commerce, I think, through the last 12 months. And, and it is exciting to see more experimentation, I think, than we've seen in a long time as well. Um, an example that springs to mind is Richard Dawes Fine Wines in the UK, traditional wine merchant. Um, coming out with a new brand called Marlowe, targeted at the younger generation, targeted at the millennials and the 30-somethings and the 40-somethings. And, and, and they've done great with it. But it, it's not just about the younger generation starting to get into wine. It's that the supply side is also recognizing where the market opportunity is and doing a better job of segmenting and profiling the different markets that are out there and making themselves, frankly, more interesting and more appealing. Uh, Jonathan, are you also seeing uh, more appetite for experimentation? Um, Not just digitization, but trying new things. Um, most definitely, I think, um, I think there is, of course, broad optimism about um, the pendulum swinging uh, back where we're able to not just be forced to do things exclusively online, but also um, to do stuff also in, in person again. Um, that said, there's also, um, we see um, 
a new reality or settling in that even now looking as far into the future as November, um, we have people planning full, uh, full on digital events. And um, some of these uh, organizations are uh, like even three months ago, um, I think would have been thinking differently, but the reality of um, the, you know, how difficult it can be in order to bring producers from one country into another country um, and uh, how successful that sort of an event will be, um, despite everybody wanting to get together. Um, I think that has opened some, uh, increased the openness to, to experimenting and also the number of successful digital initiatives that have happened um, that has given other people confidence that, you know, this is, there is something or it is effective and can in some ways be more effective than the physical, um, the physical events. So, um, experimentation, uh, most, most definitely, um, uh, but it's not, it's, it's built on, on, on the recent months and the last year of, of a lot of people doing a lot of different things and a few, a few, a few patterns proving to be more successful than others. So what about for winery? Look, I was going to say, uh, overall, I think, uh, the, the whole COVID thing that we've all heard of has effectively accelerated, as I was saying earlier on. Uh, but the actual trend of needing the industry to adapt and invent new product and present themselves differently is nothing new. Uh, we know that the, the newer generations, uh, call them the millennials, call them the Gen Z, uh, are far less likely to open a bottle and drink the whole bottle by themselves. They're, they're far more inclined towards canned wine. They're far more inclined towards tasting wines. They're far more agnostic when it comes to wine versus spirits versus cocktails versus craft beers, right? So the industry itself has basically been pushed for a number of years. Uh, I do think the industry also have this, this romance, this classical traditionalism that is beautiful, but also a bit of a challenge. Um, and uh, increasingly, increasingly, we're seeing wineries now who are realizing, okay, I do need to sort of uh, try something else. And COVID has just forced them, literally just forced them to try something. And we've seen wineries who are actually making more money by doing online tasting than they did with uh, actually having a physical tasting room. Um, so that's a good starting point. Uh, but I do think the industry as a whole needs to continue innovating to adapt to the newer generations and adapt to the new style of, uh, of wine drinking, right? So worldwide wine consumption dropped 2.8% in, in 2020. Um, and I don't know, any, any, any reaction to that? Does that sound right? Um, did you think that at the start of 2020, it was going to be worse or, um, did you think maybe it would rise a bit because everybody's, uh, you know, buying wine and, and drinking too much at dinner or whatever, but, um, I don't know any reaction to that. Well, I mean, I surely it can't be a surprise given how much wine is consumed uh, within the on trade that, that there would be a drop. Um, you it's, know, it's that's about a 50%, huge, isn't it? huge part of the market that just disappeared overnight, right? Um, clearly, what was surprising was the extent to which the slack was taken up by people drinking at home and maybe moving, I think, as was documented during that period, 
on average to lower value bottles, but increasing their consumption quite considerably. So I guess, you know, that's the in and the outs. We saw we saw retailers, merchants in the UK with maybe 40, 40 to 50% dependency on the on-trade, maybe ending the year pretty flat with the previous um, comparable, like for like 12 months. And, and that, you know, is a great testament to um, how that that's very significant shortfall was 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 um, taken up by the consumer at home. But overall, I'm not surprised that they felt that they that they fed a bit. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure from from um, an educated guess or some from readings I've done. Uh, overall, I'm pretty sure Entree is, is about 50% of the market. So of course, it's definitely going to definitely going to hurt extensively. I was literally talking to a winery last week who basically lost 100% of their sales, right? COVID hit and from day, they haven't received a single order in the last 12 months, uh, simply because their strategy was strictly retail. Um, and look, there's a question, I'm, I'm not sure about that 2% as to whether it's by volume or by dollars, um, but I wouldn't be surprised that overall uh, it's um, it's probably worst when you look at it by dollars because people are now buying slightly cheaper wines, uh, trying to buy trying to get more for their for their buck. Uh, even though now with the recovery slowly starting in different countries, uh, I think we're going to see the other way around. The other trend is going to kick off, and a lot of people will kind of go, "Oh, I've not really been spending a whole lot in the last 12 months. I've got a bit of savings now." And they're going to start buying and they're going to buy whatever they feel like you're currently looking at anything to do with recreational goods motorcycles boats anything that is having fun is basically sold out right there's a waiting list so you can imagine that increasingly the um the high value wines people will start treating themselves now that we're kind of going back to quote normals Champagne sales are already up in, in the US and UK. So oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Great. Um, next, move on to the London Wine Fair. Um, the first major digital uh, wine fair um, is coming up. And, and there was a, a bit of a preview day um, that, um, full disclosure, Bottle Books is quite involved in as we provided the technical uh, background for everything. So maybe Jonathan, you can give us um, a little bit of preview um, and a, a, a report on how that went. Um, and um, uh, you'll also be able to see Nick there um, who will be on some panels for wine owners. Um, uh, Jonathan will be also on some panels and Laurie from Outshinery too. So. Um, you'll be see, see a lot of the wine insiders um, at the London Wine Fair if you're attending. Um, Jonathan, tell us um, how did it go on Wednesday and, and what can we expect on um, May 17, 18? Yeah, um, as you said, full disclosure, we, we, we've been an excited uh, a partner of the London Wine Fair um, over the past five years and um, we're uh, particularly excited to be able to, to come together with them this year to put together a digital platform. And um, indeed, yesterday was the, the first day out with that um, at a, a special event called Welcome Back Wednesday. Um, uh, the event is um, not until May 17th, uh, but due to the opening plans in the UK, 
where the on-trade is, uh, is targeted for opening on the 17th, there needed to be a special day for the on-trade. Um, and so that was uh, decided to be yesterday. Um, and um, about half of the um, exhibitors took part um, that will be at the main fair um, with a bit more of a UK focused. Um, uh, and um, uh, Richard Siddle held um, uh, a, a discussion in the morning about how how the retail industry, or not the retail, sorry, the the um, the the on trade um, was looking and how it was coming back and changes and will there be more tech or or lower tech and um, some of the challenges that are they're facing and it was a really interesting session and I think um, that's what we're looking forward to in the of, of more is a lot more content. Um, there was also some new features around being able to request samples and book re book uh, sampler kits um, from the um, from the exhibitors, and uh, that moved very briskly um, yesterday. So um, a lot of requests, a lot of leads went through the system for the exhibitors. A lot of interested um, visitors. So um, and this was just the the mini <laughs> the mini version of the fair. So we're looking forward to to the to the to the big event and. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a pleasure to be part of to be part of it. So so is the whole thing going to be online? Like one hundred percent? There's no one hundred percent online. One hundred percent online. Nice. So nice. master classes. Everybody who's registered for a master class, um, uh, or I wouldn't say everybody, but if if um, anybody can watch a master class, and um, and those of the those of them those of the people who uh, are um, uh, selected for tasting will get a package sent to their home and so they can have the wines uh, tasted at home. Um, this is um, proven to be very successful also with wines from Spain that is in the middle of their UK um, initiative where they've been doing the same thing at home um, and uh, um, yeah and then different exhibitors are having uh, highlights from their portfolio repackaged and made available for for order for the trade um, and then you can also request individual wines as well. So it's, it's kind of, um, a combination of everything, um, really. Um, interesting, yeah. It'll be interesting because there's also going to be a whole lot of wealth in terms of knowledge that will be recorded automatically. All of those tastings, all of those masterclasses, all those discussions now being on video are effectively valuable to anyone else who wants to try and discover new, any, any other retailer who wants to discover new wines, right? Yeah, I think that's one thing that um, London Wine Fair is always differentiate. It's one of the differentiators. I mean, every event has their has unique aspects. One of theirs has been, as long as we've known them, is um, a strong uh, slant towards content. Um, and that's continuing um, this year and um, what I think bodes well for them and I think is uh, worth anybody who's doing a digital event taking taking note is how much content you're you're doing because if all it is is just about uh, you know browsing a website or or something like that you know it's not going to be quite as interesting as when you have really interesting panels presentations master classes content 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 it's it's uh, and and so um, uh, the London Wine Fair's plan is to have this content be available online to all of the attendees for at least three months afterwards. Um, and that also brings in some of the unique digital aspects because normally the content is not recorded and the rooms 
are physically limited. So instead of limiting attendance to 80 people for a session that nobody else will ever get to experience, um, now you can actually literally attend every session at the, at the fair. You're on time. Every, and on time, you're not waiting for a ticket, you're not waiting in line. Um, so it's, a, it's an illustration of, yeah, of how sometimes the digital events can, have, can, can be, have some advantages over purely physical. Oh, so. the scalability of digital is outstanding, right? And very, very few truly graphs for what it means uh, to be able to fit 60 people in a room and to be able to just, at the same cost, drive 600 people. It's, um, yeah, it's outstanding. Bloody technology, huh? Yes. <laughs> Nick, Nick, what tell us about the London Wine Fair. What, what does it mean in the UK um, for the trade? You know, do, do you have a perspective on that and on the well i think i think you know i think we're at a at, as we've as we've touched upon before we're at a moment of great optimism you know it is a reopening you know we've had you know 35 million jabs over here and we're looking forward to the time when everyone can mingle and meet and behave as they used to behave so so i think the timing is fantastic i think uh, it's a great opportunity to um, provide the London Wine Fair with an international, um, a global perspective, if you like, because I think it is pretty much the only event of any significance that's taking place anywhere in the world around this sort of um, um, period in time. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to really kickstart the industry to, um, you know, the you know those people who were um, significantly dependent on the on trade for their business are going to be right back in it at this point ahead of the opening of um, the on trade on the seventeenth of May. Um, so timing is extraordinary, really, in that regard. Um, lucky, maybe, um, but hey, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Um, so I think, I think, you know, I think that it's, it's, um, timing is great. The trend, you know, the trend towards people consuming information, participating in those events online is, is perfect. People are used to it. We've had 12 months being warmed up to the idea of online tastings and, and virtual events. So everyone's comfortable with that format now as well. You know, I think. A year ago, people were a little perturbed by watching other people on a panel um, sized, you know, four, three and three and a half centimeters by one and a half centimeters high. Uh, I don't think I don't. I think people have just recalibrated to all of that now. So I think it's an amazing opportunity for people to um, make connections. After all, fairs, events are all about meeting points for buyers and sellers and that's going to and that's going to happen at scale uh, uh, in this event and it's also going to be I think a great forum for really figuring out how you as a business move forward how you capitalize on these trends that we've talked about and figure out how you're going to apply those to your own growth. Um, we have some breaking news here. Um, Larry Kudlow was on Fox News. He's a Fox News host. And he was fuming that Biden's climate plan, uh, plan 
will force Americans to drink plant-based beer. Seb, your reaction. Uh, say that again. So Biden's plan will force Americans to, to drink plant-based beer? Isn't that what it is anyway? Yeah. How is beer not plant-based? <laughs> look, 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 you're, you're, you're starting with Fox and you just lost me from, from the very first word, right? <laughs> okay, that's episode eight of the Wine Tech Insiders <laughs> podcast. And, and before you close off, right, I just wanted to, to uh, add a little remark here. Nick is basically suggesting he's looking at us as, as a three centimeters little face. Nick, I'm sorry, you're full screen on my screen. You've got the full real estate on my screen. You're that lucky. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I better be full screen on your screen too. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Thanks again, our Wine Tech Insiders. Nick from Line Owners, Jonathan from Bottle Books, and Seb from Trolley. See you all in a couple of weeks. See you later, of guys. Have a good Bye one. Guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.